listening to Ohio V, the world, an Ohio history podcast. The only podcast dedicated exclusively to the history of the Buckeye State. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate and review us. Join the conversation now at Facebook. Now, here's your host, Alex Hasty. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, we got a little bonus episode for you today, uh, kind of a capping off season five of Ohio v. the World, our season on Ohio in the presidency. We're going to share with you today an interview we did on 610 WTVN AM radio here in Columbus, actually one of the biggest stations here in the state of Ohio. We sat down with our friend Vince Tornero, Wessler Media, for his show on Saturday nights and took up the whole hour. We'll play most of that interview with you today. But after hearing it on, on the radio, it really is a great recap of Season 5 and, and really my favorite season we've done of the show about Ohio and the presidency during 2020, that crazy year of 2020. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening all season long. And we've got some really exciting uh, stuff we're doing for next year, Season 6. We're looking to start probably sometime in March. Uh, we've got some exciting uh, partnerships that we've got going on and some really uh, fun episodes. It'll be more of a normal season where it's different topics uh, every episode. So really cool stuff that we're, we're going to be bringing you next year. And we'll have a, a really big announcement about the show here in uh, after the new year. So sit back, enjoy this interview with our friend Vince Ternero from Wessler Media. Wessler puts on podcasts for all kinds of people, Pelotonia, the Ohio State Fair, Ohio Farm Bureau. They're a great a resource if you're looking to do your own podcast uh, and Vince is a great guy to talk to he can help you do that and make it and make it really great so thanks again for having uh, us on his show and enjoy the new year uh, go Bucks and we will see you in 2021 so you've been doing this podcast for uh, for quite a while I mean it's something that I mean regardless I mean we both know podcasting Take some work, take some commitment. Um, first of all, why did you decide to do Ohio Be the World? Like, what was your? Because I mean, started five years ago, was it? Uh, it started in twenty early twenty seventeen. So this is our fourth year, fifth season of the show. Um, and I think why we decided to do it, I got into listening to podcasts um, a few years before that, but I was looking for a show about Ohio history and couldn't find one. So I just decided to create it and do it myself and try and do it do it right. Well, obviously, with uh, with your your law practice and, and a hasty legal, um, you know, it's one of those things where you're not somebody who's immune to to doing some hard work and getting the research done. So, do you do a lot of research with the show? Yeah, ton of research. Um, and this is a, I mean, you do a ton of research, but it's a hobby. To you. And obviously, with, with with your legal background, it's it's a passion too. So it kind yeah, of combines both yeah, worlds. History's always been a passion of mine. I mean, I majored in history. Um, and it's an Ohio history show. We say it's the world's only Ohio history podcast, but it's really an American history show. And American history is something that is a passion of mine, hobby or not. Um, so our fifth season that we're doing uh, and just wrapped up uh, this week is about Ohio and the presidency. Um, and we're doing that. It's an election year. We thought it'd be a great time to, to delve into that. Uh, Ohio has eight presidents. And we also did episodes on you know Ohio and debates. There's been debates here in Ohio, just like we had. Uh, the first debate between uh, Biden and Trump. Uh, we do an episode on the first ladies, on campaign moments in Ohio. 
Uh, there's been six Democratic or Republican political conventions in Ohio, so we have an episode about all those and really just everything Ohio in presidential history. So uh, I find it interesting that you reference Ohio's presidents as our saving fathers. What yeah, you, so what, what are you I, talking about there? What do you mean by that? It's a guest of mine coined that phrase, and uh, Virginia has the most presidents. Virginia has nine presidents, and they're a lot of them are known as the founding fathers. And our guest Jim Robinell dubs Ohio's presidents as our saving fathers, so saving us from from different things. Whether it was Ulysses S. Grant saving, you know, Reconstruction and and trying to set African Americans on a, on a path to not just freedom but prosperity. Uh, you look at someone like Warren Harding who who takes over after the the crisis of World War One and the Spanish flu. Um, he's someone who saves the economy uh, and, and really in a lot of ways saves the country back to normalcy, as he called it. But uh, it's not as easy to come up with a phrase for Ohio's presidents, and he called them our saving fathers, and there's so many, uh, there's so many instances where I think that's correct. Well, I think one of the things, too, that I find interesting listening to these episodes and checking out your podcast series, Ohio View the World, is that, you know, with this president stuff, there is similarities between, like, 1920 and 2020, actually, what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, 1920 is the last, is 100 years ago, obviously, but the last time an Ohioan was elected president. Um, and, and that was one of my fears, is how do you make this, you want to make this history relevant to today. Um, and how we can look at history to, to you know to help guide our future. And in 1920, uh, Warren Harding from Marion, Ohio, runs and wins a landslide victory, uh, and he's running on a platform basically that he calls you know America First, a platform where he wants to return the country to normalcy. And you know I didn't know what that meant at the time. He, he actually took a lot of heat for that. They didn't people didn't think normalcy was a word. Uh, it turns out it was, but. You know, like I said, he's he's dealing with a country that's lost 675,000 people to the Spanish flu, this global pandemic uh, that he's dealing Sounds with the aftermath familiar. of. Yeah, it does. Incredible racial strife in 1919, I had no idea how bad the economy was when Warren Harding took over a huge uh, depression in this country in 1920 and 1921 that he helps us overcome. Um but you're looking at pandemic, depression, and not to mention uh, the you know the United States has just gotten out of World War One, which is a whole other uh, ball of wax that we're not dealing with luckily today. But 1920 and 2020 have a lot of similarities. I've always thought that uh, a return to normalcy would be a great platform for a political candidate in this election. I guarantee you, there's like some third party candidate way down <laughs> ballot who has like a Facebook page he's with a dozen the, likes, and it says "return to normalcy." Yeah, he's running the Warren Harding campaign. Yeah, like, like you know, you know, it'd be interesting. You know, it'd be so interesting if somebody actually took the social experiment, took the literal playbook from President Harding's. You know, and just or anybody, any campaign from like back in the day when like scurvy was a thing, you know, and you pull that out and run that. Run on the the Whit Millard Fillmore platform or something like that. Right on, exactly. <laughs> like I, I, I there's got to be his handbook here somewhere that exists on the planet. You yeah, can pull that fun, out. It'd be a fun show. Yeah, you know. So you are a fan of Harding, though. Like he, I mean, he wasn't I, the greatest of presidents, but but you 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 do like Warren G. Harding. I'm in the minority for sure. Uh, but doing all this research and realizing that Warren Harding is always in the bottom five of presidential rankings. I mean, not last, but really far down. You're talking. There's been 44 presidents. He's always you know 39th, 41st, uh, and there was a lot of corruption in his administration. Was it connected directly to him? No. Was it cabinet members of him? I mean, yes. 
and mem- you know cabinet members of the Harding administration end up going to jail. Teapot Dome, uh, a huge scandal with the Veterans Bureau. He had these affairs that were uncovered after his death that that really brought down his his rankings as well. But when I really looked at him as a president, um, he was not half bad. I'm not saying he's a great president, um, but he's certainly somebody that I think in the next hundred years, when people actually look at his presidency, uh, is somebody that's going to jump up in the rankings. Who knows if that'll happen uh, this time around? What we got going on? <laughs> so we're talking with uh, Alex Hasty of the uh, podcast Ohio v the World, excellent podcast, and you're listening to this is Wessler Media right now. We're uh, just kind of taking a look over uh, you know the podcasting uh, world, and this show we are focusing specifically on uh, one of my good friends in the podcasting world. It is Alex Hasty again, Ohio v the World. Um, William Henry Harrison. I mean, he's a guy who I can think of. Um, there, there is a to quote the Simpsons again, which I'll probably do a lot on this show. Is there was Springfield Elementary, and it dubs in, you know, we are the mediocre presidents. We are the mediocre presidents. You won't find our faces on dollars or on cents. You know, it, it is a fantastic episode. There's William Henry Harrison. I died in thirty days. So the old adage, it's it, it just YouTube, you'll find it. I just wasted your time singing it there. But basically, the old adage is this guy did this inauguration speech, pneumonia, died. Is that all true? Is that legit? Is that is 100% factual? So he did serve about 30 days in office, and, and he's the first Ohio president in 1840. But this idea that he, and he did give the longest inauguration, that's all true. Uh, and it was cold. It wasn't freezing. It was cold and rainy. He was our oldest president until Reagan and Trump are the only two that are older than William Henry Harrison at 68. Uh, but he gives his longest inauguration. How long was it? Like it was an hour and a half? No, this, we're talking probably a little over two hours. Um, so it still is the record longest. Was, but, but was it any good? Like, what, what did he have to say that was so he, like? It, it, I mean, it, it's no, I don't think it was that good. I've read parts of it. But <laughs> he talks a lot about, um, and we go in the episode and talk about why someone would give, like him, would give such a long uh Address, but they're just like with with our candidates today. There was a lot of people who said this man's too old. He's not with it. He's not smart enough to to be president. And so he would go into this a long speech like this to prove that not only is he up to it stamina wise, he's up to it talking about old Roman history and the history of democracy. That's what really drags down that speech. So he does give that speech in the cold. He does give it without a hat and a coat on again to show that he's virile and that he's tough enough. Uh, to become president, so this, again, uh, I know. So this I'm, season, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. As, as I mean, as, as we've been doing shows, and you and I have talked extensively in the past. I'm just thinking it's so. It just I, I hate being a one trick pony, but when you think about it, as we're reviewing, you know, Ohio and the presidency, looking at the election coming up, you know, it really just stands out to me. Like my gosh, we really society is almost one giant broken record. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I really wanted to bring out in this season is a lot of this stuff has happened before. So he did not die of pneumonia like everyone says. I mean, he's president for 30 days. You don't get pneumonia for 30 days. Um, this is something that happened weeks later. He's completely healthy uh, for that first month. So it has nothing to do with the inauguration. It likely was from tainted water in the White House that, that killed him through a cholera or, or some other waterborne disease that actually kills him it's oh it's marked gosh. as pneumonia on his death certificate because that was just kind of what people said you died of back then yeah i think what's also interesting too on death certificates back in the day it was like what it was like their their cause of death was what 
they, well, like say if I fell off a ladder and died, you know, God forbid, I'd be it'd be cause of death, fell off ladder. Yeah, you know, like th- <laughs> things like that. I feel like pneumonia probably was a catch-all. It like, was. You know, some doc is looking at his carcass laying there, and he's like, oh, I just pneumonia. I don't, yeah. I don't care about this. I, I didn't even vote for him. You know. <laughs> I just think, I think um, Ulysses S. Grant is also somebody who's a very interesting character. Um, you know, he was the next guy from Ohio, right? Was, yeah, he was there? our second of eight presidents. Grant's elected in 1868, and he's like the first celebrity president, uh, maybe other than George Washington. Ulysses S. Grant is not a politician. He's a general, um, but he is incredibly popular, probably the most popular person in America after Lincoln shot. Uh, and he's someone, you know, we looked in this episode, and, and we spoke with a great author, uh, Ronald C. White, uh, who wrote American Ulysses. We spoke to the people at the, you know, and that's one of the great things about the season is, and really one of the side effects of the coronavirus is I've been able to get every expert, every great presidential author really? I've wanted. They're available, man. They don't, they don't, they're not going into they the, the do. Yeah, so that, that's been really cool. And to talk to someone like, like Ron White, who's responsible for, and you look at Ron Chernow, uh, who wrote Hamilton, also wrote a book about Grant recently. Grant is shooting up the charts. I mean, I'm talking a president who was much maligned like a Harding. In the 21st century, he's up to 21st overall in the presidential rankings that were done by C-SPAN. You're talking about a guy who's marred at the bottom due to uh, due to a lot of corruption in his administration. But you look at what he was able to do as far as reconstruction and what he was fighting the KKK uh, and some of the things that he did for this country and what we would see today as issues that they faced uh, back then after the Civil War. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant was actually a heck of a president, uh, and that's one of the reasons why he's moving up faster in presidential rankings than, than anyone else. Well, man, I'd almost argue that dudes back in the day were way more rough and, like, probably stunk more and all that stuff. But these were guys who, I mean, they had to you had to fight to live. Like, yeah. you know, we, we can go to work and, you know, get bread on the table in the day, and we're all right. Yeah, Ulysses S. Grant was, when he was not the general in the Army, he was very unsuccessful in, in life and business. Why was uh, that? Do you think he just... Cause, cause a lot of bad luck, and, and a lot of he just wasn't a good businessman. Um, but also, speaking to what you just said, it was really hard to make a living back in the 1840s and 50s. It was just difficult to do anything, and everything he did uh, did not work, unless he was, you know, in the Mexican War, he was a great lieutenant, and then obviously our, our finest general during the Civil War. Yeah, because if you think about, too, like... When somebody is, you know, running for president now, it's so much easier. Uh, you know, personality means a lot. And, yeah. and I'm sure that personality back in the day, you know, we've talked uh, uh, so far about William Henry Harrison and Ulysses S. Grant. We're discussing the uh, the presidents from Ohio here. And, and, and you look at just the the personality that would have to be conveyed somehow. So I would imagine, too that running for president today while grueling and you don't have a life for the year and a half, two years, or whatever it is running for president, like back in the day, man, that'd be friggin' rough. You'd jump in the back of a, you know, Conestoga or whatever it is, a form of yeah, I It's think, hard. I think it was so hard that, that the candidates didn't do it themselves. You didn't campaign like we do now uh, in some of these later elections and presidencies yeah, we'll talk about. But point. you basically just had your surrogates, and it's kind of like you don't, like the Biden campaign is not doing a lot of, of actual personal campaigning retail politics this year, but they're they're using their surrogates on television and other venues. Um, that was a, very similar to this, that you did not travel. Ulysses S. Grant did not take a train from, you know, from Ohio all the way out to California. Uh, it was something that you did. You let the party do your campaigning for you. Um, and it was a huge difference. And then again, now we're looking at a campaign where 
candidates are not doing as much campaigning, so what's old is, is new again. That's the voice of Alex Hasty. He's the host of the Ohio v. The World History Podcast. We are taking a look at Ohio's presidents here on my show. This is Westlore Media. We produce podcasts, and we wanted to invite Alex on the show to talk about his podcast, Ohio v. The World. So this is really fascinating to get to know the history of Ohio's presidents. And uh, one of our former governors ran for president as a Republican. This guy, um, you know, he ran quite an interesting campaign. He's from Delaware, Ohio. We'll talk about him next in our conversation with Alex Hasty of Ohio v. The World right here on This is Wessler Media. So one thing that people talk about today a lot is that, you know, uh, campaigning. You know, it started like two years ago. I mean, people who are going to run, I know the election just a few days away, people who are going to run in, you know, 2025 or whatever, they are... It's they're probably already getting ready. They're probably already getting their search committees, everything set up. And I'm sure people even eight years after that, you know, so campaigning back in the 1800s, you know, it, it had to be a lot different and still go very long because transportation was was so rudimentary back in the day. Yeah. I mean, our next president that we have here on the on the list is, is Rutherford B. Hayes. Um, and he when you talk about Rutherford B. Hayes's campaign, I, I went and talked to the people at the the great Rutherford B. Hayes uh, Presidential Museum and Library up in Fremont, Ohio. And I'm like, so tell me about the campaign of 1876. You know, Rutherford B. Hayes, governor of Ohio, what did he do? And they're like, nothing. He sa- he was the governor of Ohio. He sat at his house in Columbus, and then the election happened. Like, he, I think Rutherford B. Hayes' strategy, he said, and I quote, is sit cross-legged and look wise was his sit campaign plan. Cross-legged. Sit cross-legged and look wise. Um, so you didn't campaign. It was actually seen... Um, as below the dignity of the office, it was seen as, uh, you know, if you did that, it would be a negative for someone to campaign. So what was it? Was it a cultural thing? Why was that? It, it was just this idea that you wouldn't lower yourself, that the president is not someone who should be out pandering for votes. So they would allow their parties to do that. They would allow their surrogates and other speakers to go out and do it for them. But Rutherford B. Hayes particularly sticks out. And a lot of people say that he's one of the reasons why people did start campaigning after this because he did nothing and he has this really controversial election the republicans were winning almost every election after the civil war and hayes actually a lot of people would say lost his election in 1876 even though he does he does ultimately win what um do, do you think it was a lincoln effect i mean do you think that you know lincoln being a republican you know emancipation all that stuff yeah for was, sure was there a post post-civil war lincoln effect democrats were linked to to secession and rebellion so um the idea that it was called, especially in this election, 1876, which is like one of the most controversial elections, uh, the idea of waving the bloody shirt, uh, this idea that shoot, you know, vote as you shot was a thing that was said a lot during that campaign for Hayes. This idea that no, not all Democrats were rebels, but all rebels were Democrats. That mm-hmm. These were the things that were being said. Um, and Hayes still uh, is barely able to win that election. And really many an election people thought was stolen. Um you know, we talked with some great authors and historians about that election on our Rutherford B. Hayes episode. Uh, but that election is a lot like the Bush v. Gore of its time. Uh, Hayes loses the, the popular vote and loses three states uh, in the South, including Florida, where there were these contested votes. It's a long uh, story that we don't have a, enough time to get into. But basically, he wins by one electoral vote, 185 to 184. 
um, and it goes well past the election day. And it's an election that I think will could possibly come up again when we we're not going to know the winner of this election very likely on election night. Yeah, it's um, going to be tough. It's going to so be tough. So it's going to be something that that could drag on for a while. And I'm telling you, people will look at the episode of uh, the election of 1876 as kind of the first time that happened, and how the country and the, how the government and the Congress responded to that. So I want to go back to because one thing that we hear a lot about today, and looking at you know this election and connecting it, like you do a lot on this uh, series. And by the way, we're talking with Alex Hasty. He's the host of the great podcast Ohio v the World. Check it out on iHeartRadio, any major podcasting platform. And the program you're listening to right now is This Is Wesler Media. Again, they know some podcasting around the world, uh, around the world. I guess it is around the world if you get it on the internet. <laughs> but uh, but basically, um, what I think is so interesting is the concept of electoral fraud is brought up today just like it was back in the day how would you practically steal an election what what were the accusations against uh mr hayes back in the so day so you had texas and south carolina and louisiana uh, all had very close votes and there was basically what they said was there would be precincts especially in louisiana where where his opponent uh samuel tilden won by some seven to nine thousand votes in the original tally there would be precincts and parishes in Louisiana that had more votes tallied than people registered. So stuffing the ballot. Um, there was a lot of uh, basically the idea that African Americans were kept from voting through violence and threats at the polls. Um, and so these electoral boards in Florida, where it was a much closer election in South Carolina, was, was very tight. They went and threw out votes. They went and looked at precincts, and this took a long time. Um, and it's a lot like what, what happened in, in Bush v. Gore, where uh, the final vote count was different from the election night. Um, and votes were added and votes were taken away. Um, and ultimately, it leads to a victory for Rutherford B. Hayes, who, got, who was then known as Rutherford Fraud B. Hayes, Rutherford his fraudulency. Um, he wins, like we said, by one electoral vote. Uh, and again, a lot of that election centered around Florida. And so these electoral boards send in two different results to Congress. The Congress can't certify the election. They create this electoral commission. Um, and by an eight to seven vote, the electoral commission, and then we go through all this in the episode, a lot of, uh, a lot of political games played, but by an eight to seven vote, the electoral commission created by Congress awards the election and those disputed votes to Rutherford B. Hayes. Well, I think what's so interesting too, is, you know, you look at just, just the impact that, you know, Ohio has on the nation as a whole and the historical epicenter that this state can often be because kind of recap and we're talking about the uh, the Ohio, Ohio and the presidency just the different presidents and and, and the even worldwide impact they can have uh, we've covered uh, Warren G Harding William Henry Harrison Ulysses S Grant who obviously from you know a, a Civil War perspective had a huge impact you know regardless even if he wasn't you know president I would imagine that you know, his presidency just enhanced his kind of folklore even more. He is probably the most photographed American of the 19th century. Uh, probably the most, maybe the most famous behind Lincoln, I think, uh, of any American was Ulysses S. Grant. No, he uh, he certainly has, has uh, it's just every kid I think can remember going through a history book and, uh, you know, going past something and seeing uh, his face in that. Yeah, I mean, he was a great general and and it was, you know, before Grant took over that Union Army and the Army of the Potomac, I mean, it's very possible that we would not have won or had to seek a peace with the South. It was hey, it was Grant's work um, that really helped the Union win that war and keep this country together. 
Yeah, so before I forget, um, how many episodes is this in your, your latest season? It's 13 episodes. We just wrapped up our last episode about William Howard Taft from Cincinnati. Um, and that's the end of season five. Uh, we release every other Sunday, and we'll start season six here uh, in, in the spring. Wow. I mean, it's it, how much, just out of curiosity, how much of a time commitment for each episode? I mean, we, we interviewed, like I said before, I mean, some of the leading authors and presidential historians uh, and people from all these museums. Uh, the research, you know, we're reading multiple books, and, and the research for this episode or this season was, was bigger than before. And I, I'd say we worked on this for a solid year. Nice. Nice. I mean, it takes an incredible amount of equipment. And it's the uh, Ohio View the World is uh, the podcast. And uh, this latest season, season five, talking about Ohio's history with the presidency, does, just doesn't focus on uh, the actual presidents themselves. I mean, you cover other stuff in there as well. Yeah, we talk about the history of debates. Uh, you know, there's a number of presidential debates here in Ohio, campaigns. Uh, we talk about even those conventions that have taken place in Ohio, the first ladies. Uh, and some of the contenders, some of the people from Ohio who tried to become president and failed. Taking a look at Ohio's history with presidents here on News Radio 610 WTV. And I'm Vince, host of this show. This is Wessler Media, where we feature podcasts from around the state. And what we're doing today is a conversation with Alex Hasty from Ohio v. The World. More interesting history, including the first woman to run for president. Yeah, she's from Ohio. That's next. Four minutes away, right here on This Is Wessler Media talking with Alex Hasty here on This Is Wessler Media. He hosts the Ohio v. The World podcast. Talk with Alex about Ohio and the presidency. So no Ohioan has been elected to the White House in 100 years. What the heck, man? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, we had eight presidents in an 80-year period there from, from William Henry Harrison to, to Warren G. Harding when he died in office in 1923. So we did an episode about uh, people from Ohio who've tried to run for president uh, and failed from John Kasich in 2016. John Glenn, who ran a great campaign. Uh, actually, he ran a poor campaign, but could have been a great campaign in 1984 for president. Uh, all the way back to the first woman to run for president. Uh, Victoria Woodhull was the first woman to run for president in 1872. We talk about her life and campaign. She was a, just, I call her the most interesting woman in the world. Why is that? What sticks out about her? She, First of all, she ran for president as a woman. Women could not vote, obviously, for another 50 years almost. Um, and just her campaign, she's actually in jail on the day that, that the election happens. So the story of Victoria Woodhull, there, there's a biopic being done right now. Uh, I think it's for, for Amazon um, about Victoria Woodhull's life. But she, she was just you know an amazing, amazing person, amazing story anyways. Um, and so, we, yeah, we did one on the contenders and... and you know, I can't tell you why Ohio hasn't had a president in 100 years. Ohio was so important to the Electoral College uh, back in the day. I mean, you look at New York and Ohio. The, those were the two states you had to win. Um, nowadays, Ohio is one of a few swing states. And, you know, the, the issue that we look at from from in some other episodes is Ohio is almost always— we've, we've correctly picked the president in 26 of the last 28 elections. Um, we missed in 1960— uh, when we picked Nixon, who barely lost to Kennedy in 1944, uh, very close by like 0.1 percent, we picked against FDR, uh, and that was a a campaign where the vice presidential candidate for the Republicans was from Ohio. Um, so there's a small reason why that might have tilted in that direction. Every other election since William McKinley in 1896, Ohio has picked the president, uh, and so it's a wonder to me why we haven't. We just haven't had the politicians uh, that have been able to capture the national imagination 
to become president in the last hundred years. Um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get one hopefully in our lifetime in Ohio and back in the White House. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. That'd be sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many presidents again from Ohio? Eight presidents, uh, which is the second most uh, behind Virginia with nine. So a total of eight. Then you got, do you know by any chance how many vice presidents? Um, it, I don't want to put you on the spot. No, th- there's a couple that were born here. There's really no presidents uh, or vice presidents from Ohio that are strictly from Ohio. There's a couple that, that really were more attributed to Indiana even though they grew up here. Um, we've had a number of vice presidents who lost, um, who were who were candidates, but I think we've only had one or two total that w- you would consider from Ohio. So moving back uh, to the back back in the day, we got uh, James Garfield. Do you think um, you I know, love he, James Garfield? Yeah, I'm a big Garfield. Why? Guy. I mean, so I noticed like you you, you kind of have like this old school fanboy with some of the old presidents. <laughs> James Garfield. Why why are you in the Garfield Facebook Club? Garfield Facebook was club. I think would have been one of our great presidents, and, and during a time from Lincoln to. Teddy Roosevelt, the, the, first of all, there's a lot of Ohio presidents, and there's a lot of forgettable presidents. Uh, Garfield is shot and killed uh, just a few months into his campaign, but one of the smartest guys ever run for president, um, and we talked with an author, Candace Millard. She's a great, best-selling author uh, who wrote the book Destiny of the Republic, which I would tell anyone listening here to go to go read. Candace Millard's Destiny of the Republic, uh, which is a best-selling book from 2011. She talks about, and she's on our episode, uh, James Garfield vs. the World, just how great of a president he could have become. His story about how he dies is so interesting. He's shot by a deranged office seeker, uh, a guy who Garfield did not want to give a job because he was insane and didn't deserve. He wanted to be the ambassador to France, which is you know one of the highest positions. The guy had no qualifications. He gets angry with Garfield because of it, shoots him at the train station. Garfield lingers for months in the story of you know, there's appearances by people like Alexander Graham Bell, who, who creates a metal detector to try and find the bullets that were in President wow. Garfield. And really, Garfield is not killed so much by the bullets. He's killed by the medical care that he receives in the White House. They're probing around with dirty fingers for the bullet. Uh, it changed medicine, his death, uh, the way that his body deteriorated. And it was all because of the way that he was cared for by his doctors. Uh, his body became so riddled with infection. Uh, and he was a younger president, very strong. Uh, the fact that he held on for, for three months, which was also as long as he was in office before he was shot. Uh, it's an incredible story. So, like I said, uh, our Garfield episode is one of the ones I'm most proud of. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, with the level of work you do into it, uh, you, you should be. Uh, Benjamin Harrison, um, some interesting parallels that I've heard between uh, uh, the current uh, COVID situation and how he handled the uh, pandemic back in the day with cholera. Yeah, well, Benjamin Harrison's kind of the quintessential bearded president. There's this period, like I said, from from Lincoln to, to TR where almost every Garfield had a, had a giant beard. Rutherford B. Hayes, beard, Grover Cleveland, mustache, but it still counts. But these are some of these more, un, you know, un, un, I guess, overlooked um, and an underrated presence. And, and Benjamin Harrison was one from Ohio, the grandson of William Henry Harrison, uh, grew up in the Cincinnati area, went to Miami University. Uh, it's also shared he lived his adult life in Indianapolis. But Harrison becomes president. He's one that I had to do a lot of research on because I didn't know anything about our 23rd president, uh, the Michael Jordan of presidents, Benjamin Harrison. But we learned a great story um, about the cholera scare of 1892. When he's president, there's this uh, cholera epidemic that's ravaged Asia and Europe, and there's a ship coming in uh, from Germany full of Eastern Europeans. That is, the ship is riddled with, with this cholera, and it's held in the, the port city uh, or in the port of New York City. And Harrison jumps to action to try and keep this. 
pandemic that's that's you know like I said raging across the world uh, from coming into America, and he keeps this shore this uh, ship off at shore, and he institutes a national quarantine. Uh, he stops all immig- all immigration, uh, and, and not that it was constitutional what he was doing, but a really cool story. We had no idea about the cholera scare of eighteen ninety two and how you know the strong federal leadership really made a difference. There is no cholera epidemic of eighteen ninety two in America due to Benjamin Harris. That uh, it's still again. I just come back to the fact that there's so much parallel between what we face today and what has been faced yesterday. Yeah, I mean, so everyone says, oh, this is unprecedented. No, this has never happened. You hear that so much in the last Unprecedented for us. Yeah, it, exactly. There's so many parallels. And this season, we really try to delve into those and bring those out. And I think the Harrison and, and the cholera epidemic is, is one of those examples. And we got Willie McKinley as well, and he was somebody who um, real, did a lot of great stuff. I mean, he, he's pretty popular. Uh, William McKinley's the highest-rated Ohio president, uh, you know, the winner of the Spanish-American War. He's the one who uh, we call him the architect of the American century, our guest does. Uh, but William McKinley is my favorite Ohio president. Um, and again, someone who is incredibly popular, and again, an Ohio president who dies in office. Uh, shot what by, is it with Ohio presidents dying in office? They all died for different reasons. Harrison dies really of old age and, and, and disease from, from water in the White House, we believe. Garfield's killed by a deranged office seeker. Uh, Harding dies of a heart attack in San Francisco. Uh, four of the eight presidents who've died in office were Ohioans. McKinley is killed by an anarchist, and so many world leaders at the turn of the century were killed by anarchists. But McKinley turns around the economy from the Panic of 1893 uh, and also vaults America to this American century of winning the Spanish-American War uh, and, and really making America a player on the world stage. Definitely a president that is overlooked, even though he is still pretty highly rated. So final press from Ohio we're going to look at uh, at Taft and the big question about his his uh, his presidency. And he was a portly fellow. Did he get stuck in the bathtub? Is no, that true? He did, he did not. Uh, I'm a big fan of William Howard Taft, Cincinnati. He did not get stuck in the bathtub. That's an uncorroborated story from a book in the 1930s uh, from a White House butler that had a lot of other untrue things in it. He did overflow a bathtub once in a hotel in New Jersey in 1915. It's kind of a famous Taft story, but uh, definitely an overlooked president. Uh, William Howard Taft, uh, a one-term president in, in 1909 to 1913. Uh, definitely someone, our latest episode's about Taft, so we ask you to go listen to that one. He did a lot of stuff and was also the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. To learn more about that man's podcast, it's Alex Hasty. Look for Ohio v. The World on all major podcasting platforms. My name is Vince Tornero, president and executive producer of Westlord Media. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you next week right here on 610 WTVN. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. 
You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.